Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Today, we're talking to one of my friends, Leland Morning. Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. Thank you for jumping in and being willing to chat with us. Dude, thank you for having me. Excited to be with you. Well, good. everyone knows who you are, so it's, there's not like a lot of uh, unpacking that needs to happen for um, for people to know what you, who you are. But, um, when you're, when you're showing up to a conference or to a worship event, how do you like to be introduced? What is the, one of the things that you like, oh, that represents me well. We've been at some of the same conferences together before. And I think that conferences are the most awkward thing when you're getting introduced. Cause oh, you're like, so you're, awkward. It, right. It's like, you're going to say all this stuff about me. And then I have to come up and like meet all of those expectations. So has there ever been a time that you're like, oh, that really fits me well. Honestly, honestly, dude, over the years, I've just told them just to say, Hey, uh, Leland is a, is a band of worshipers from Houston, Texas. Honestly, that's about, that's it. I think, I um, yeah, there, there are things like in, you know, we've, you know, I've talking to someone recently about how, you know, it, there is a business side to the music business and you have to kind of like, it's awkward sometimes navigating those spaces. Cause you, I mean, you need things like biographies and right. stuff like that for people. I mean, I, I appreciate that as a reader, when I go to, you know, find out about a new podcast or find out about someone, I want to read their bio. So sure. like, um, but it is weird when you have to like write that stuff for yourself, like, or when people like go, Hey, how do you like to be introduced? I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, we're just normal. We're all right. normal people from play, from somewhere right. and have family. And, and, you know, what the interesting to me thing to me though, has been, um, Oh, cause I'm 34 now when I started with our band and we were working on our first album, I was 16, like just turned 16. Wow. And I think we were working on our first record sound of melodies and it's crazy. So after all these years of just being in the music industry and around my peers, I think I've gotten to meet quite a few of my heroes, uh, like, especially in Christian music. And mm -hmm. like, I got to meet, um, you know, Darlene check who like right. crazy inspired me as a kid. Um, and still inspires me a ton. Uh, Martin Smith and Michael W. Smith. And, um, after meeting these different ones, they're all totally different from one another, you know, like their personality right. types are totally different. Their, their skill sets are different. Um, their songwriting life is different from one another. Yep. Um, and then what they're doing, their lives are very dynamic between each of them. But I think the thing, the one common denominator is that each of them have a distinctly unique story from point A which starts at their beginning, the genesis of their story to where they are now or, or to the platform that God gifted yeah. them with. And that was probably the most encouraging thing for me early on is that man, like there really is no formula to any of this stuff. You know, right. there are some spiritual principles that all of us need to be doing because it's just like what it means to be a Christian. You know, it's like there, yeah. there are, Christian principles we all need to be applying to our life, like prayer and read the word and stay plugged into a local church community that you are accountable to. All those things are huge. But I think like outside of that, really God is sovereign and he knows where you are. He knows what season of life you're in. He knows the giftings that he's placed inside of you. And he knows the desires of your heart and the dreams yeah. that he's placed there that are like that are good that come from him. And he also knows the stuff in our hearts that like, we really want that, you know, he's like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the best thing for you. Like, right. Yeah. Or, or know? the stuff that the stuff we really want, but we're like afraid to admit it. Like, yes, we, we could never say it out loud. Yeah. But, but yeah. It, li it, it lives in there. Like, we're like, oh, for sure. That's real. 
Um, yes. Dude, that is, that's so, so, so well said. So you've been doing music since you were 16 or like, yeah, like longer than that, like really 12, 11, 12, yeah, 13. Yeah. Right. So do you feel like music, do you feel like you picked music or do you feel like God was like, Hey, I'm going to let music pick you in this season? Yeah. Well, and in some sense, it was just kind of like, it was in our bones because it was just right. in the family so much. So, um, uh, you know, like there's, um, there's a, there's actually, there's a wonderful book. My brother just finished reading called the rise and triumph of the modern self. Oh, and wow. in that book, the, uh, the, the writer, I think his name is Truman, Carl Truman. He talks about how parents parented their children, like, you know, like in the 1700s versus like modern parents now and how they raise their kids. And one of the things they mentioned was, you know, parents took a, like, you know, back way back then, they took a real big interest in what their kids were doing with their life. Um, and, you know, if your dad was a blacksmith and he was a, and he was a really good blacksmith um, and he was passionate about it, he would, he would teach his son. He would give him right. some kind of skill that he could then use and the rest of his life, you know, and I think for us, it was more like our parents never forced us to do music. It's just that they were so in love with it. They loved music so much. And it was so much in their life and in the world. They were, they were music ministers growing up and, uh, and both of them are songwriters. And so watching them fall in love with God through music, um, all the time was contagious on us as kids. And I think, yeah. um, so we did a lot of singing in our house, like for fun, we would sing, mom would give us around and we'd sing songs together. And all of us, you know, had decent pitch and we could sing because our parents yeah. are just in our DNA, you know, but I think, uh, there was a, there was a, a period of time for about two years, um, two and it, it ended up becoming like two and a half years. We traveled mm-hmm. on the road as like a family, uh, worship band basically, or a family like trio really is probably the better way to put it. Um, with these two like traveling evangelist preachers yep. and, um, they're still, they're both still a big part of my life. I sort of consider both of them like, and their wives, like, as like, I've got like, like two sets of grandparents, you know? <laughs> right. And, uh, it was really, it was a life changing two years. So my parents before that were, were worship pastors. Um, and then there was this moment where they were let go from this church and it came out of left field. We didn't see it coming. And I was 11. My brother was 14. My sister was nine. And I, rem- I remember my dad coming back to the house after he had just left only a couple of hours before to go work. And he comes back and he said, he said, uh, they gave me a severance check. And I remember my mom going, what? And and I was, I was like, what's a severance check? <laughs> you know, like, I was like 11. I was like, that, that's cool. You guys got a, yeah. got a check. That's awesome. <laughs> Bonus. So um, they were just trying to figure out what's next for our family. And God told my parents to go to Corpus Christi. And we go to Corpus, Texas. And we're living there for like six months, helping this church with their music program. And during the time while they're there, this traveling evangelist, from Australia comes to this church with his wife, Kathy. And at the end of the kind of, you know, classic kind of charismatic setting, like that's my world that's what I grew up in. And so on the last night, he lines up our whole family and all my cousins come up and everybody from, from Houston. And he prays for all of us. And when he gets to me and my brother, he said, I see both of you guys one day writing songs together traveling together in some sort of like group or band and doing music. So he like prophesies over me and my brother and we're like, I was like 11, you know, and it was, it was life-changing. And then about a month later, same thing happened again with a, a different evangelist at the same church that didn't know the other guy. Um, wow. And he said the same thing over me and my brother. He prayed for us two together. And so, um, that started this journey for our family. We, we thought we were going to be out on the road with this evangelist for like a month and it ended up becoming two and a half years. Oh my gosh. Trusting the Lord. We got our homeschooling stuff. 
We were packed in the back of our Lincoln town car with like <laughs> an ice chest in the middle. Right. My mom taught me and my brother how to harmonize with her. And so the Lord had told my parents, you know, just go and use the arrows that you have in your hand. And so we had been singing in church, like specials, like we would sing right. like little specials for like program, but not like we'd never led worship and right. done any of that before. So my mom just said, I'll teach you guys, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. And so she taught my brother how to taught me and my brother how to do three-part harmony with her. And my dad had a friend of his who had like this home studio who could make like tracks and put them on a mini disc player. And so right. <laughs> we had a mini disc player, you know, those wow. are around for like six months. Yeah. Right. And so exactly. we had, we had one of those and that was our band. You know, and then my dad is, my dad is honestly one of the most gifted to this day. He is still the best piano player I have ever heard in my entire life. And I've played with all of them in Christendom. And I'm telling you, my dad, when he plays for other people, he blows people away. Like he was with me at uh, one of Gateway's, the Gateway's men's conference. But I was there. My dad came with me. And so we basically were rooming together. And uh, he was just, he drove up there with me. And we're in the green room. And it's like all musicians in the green room, singers. Right. And um, a lot of them are my friends. And so I'm sitting there with dad. And there's like a a Rhodes sitting over in the corner, like a, a Fender Rhodes. And it's it's the one that has the uh, speaker in the cap right. like that's attached to it. Yeah. So I was like, dad go over to the roads and just play. And I was like, he was like, no, he's like, he's so, he's so like meek. My dad's like, he doesn't, it's like, no, I'm not going to, I was like, dad, please, will you please go play? So just go play the roads <laughs> over there. You just go play anyways. Cause that'd be cool. So he goes and he starts playing and I watch these guys just kind of, they're all on their phones and they start going, they start looking up. They'd already met him. They're like, what is your dad? What, is that your dad? What's your dad doing? Eventually it ended up with like a group of like, 10 of their, and they're all great musicians all around my dad singing these old black gospel songs. Cause my dad plays, he plays everything, but we grew up singing Southern gospel and black gospel music. That's what I, that's what I grew right. up on. So yeah. I actually didn't grow up on like contemporary music. Um, and so my dad's singing these old songs, pulling all of them out of the hat and they're losing their mind. They're all videoing them and they're going like, why didn't you get any of this? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, dude, I don't know. I didn't get that. Like, right. I, I love music, but I didn't get that part. Right. So, um, so it's cool, man. And so we, so we grew up around, it was just in our family. Yeah. And I think, but those two and a half years are what really changed my life. I know right. for a fact, and really started that kind of calling in my heart uh, to write music, you know? So, my parents were missionaries. So I remember, I remember being in the backseat of the car with the cooler in between you and your brother and living that life. And I would say that like, I don't know if this is true for you, but for me, I felt like a lot of faith was built in that season of life because you're traveling from place to place and God has to provide for each of those. Yes. How did, how did that experience affect your faith journey? Like as you you know, cause when you're young, you kind of are propped up a little bit by your, your parents' faith, but how did it affect you as you kind of grew into your own faith? You know, for those two years, we were introduced to like itinerant ministry as kids. And I, and I think the hardest, anybody that travels and does anything like five, any of the five full ministry to, that travels or does music. I mean, the hardest time of the year is the holidays. You know, it's like, it's yeah. November to December because no church is having any special guests and everyone's doing, pouring all their money into their programs. And, and, you know, this is still, this is maybe, maybe they're letting special guests in more now, but this is like during the time when every church, no matter what size or what their budget was, was putting on their version of a Broadway production for Christmas. Right, right. right. Yep. <laughs> you know, like churches that have no business doing any of that, we're trying. And it's, right. it's you know, it's great though. It's awesome. So yeah. that, so what that means is that no guests come in, you know? So, <laughs> so my parents were like, you know, it was December and we had one church, uh, one little church in Jasper, Texas, which 
Next to on your way to Jasper, Texas, is a little town called Cut and Shoot, Texas. Oh my gosh. Which I'm not joking you. The Sunday that we were headed there to play and minister at this church that we already knew was really small, we're driving through Cut and Shoot, Texas. And there's a sign that says, Welcome to Cut and Shoot on the right. It's a four way stop sign. And I'm not, this sounds like a joke. I'm not joking you. Uh, a pickup truck squeals through the intersection. And there is a man in the back of the pickup truck trying to break his way into this guy's truck with a uh, pipe. No and way. And he's beating the truck and the truck zooms off into the some country road. And I'm like, and it says, welcome to cut and shoot. And we're like, well, guys, welcome to cut and shoot. Well, you we're drive here. through cut and shoot. And, and then you get to, uh, to Jasper. And so we're in Jasper and it's this church in like a small storefront, you know, building. And we go into this church and there's, I think, 30 people there. And before we go in, my parents were in the car and we're in the parking lot and it's like ghost town, this parking lot, you know? Yeah. And mom and dad look at us and they said, all right, guys, we've got to stretch our faith today. And we're in the car. So she's like, they yeah. turned around talking to all three of his kids. And they said, guys, this is our only church for all of December. And what that means is is that we need God to provide like a financial miracle today. And they said, you know, we need about what we are, what we're believing for God for is about four to $5,000. They told us a number. They're like, wow. cause we need to, we got to pay all of our bills and that would leave us a little bit extra to get each of you like one Christmas present this year for Christmas. And they're like, can, so can we pray together? So all three of us kids took turns praying. For, and we prayed the number. God would believe for at least four to five thousand dollars today, and and we prayed. We go into this church. There's thirty people there. Um, by the time the service starts, you right. know, and uh, we go up to lead worship, and we're doing like the normal songs that we would normally do, and we've you know playing. We got a, a track player, and my dad's and my mom's. My mom and dad do a, did a great job, even with like a mini disc player, like actually listening to the Holy spirit and still flowing. Like, so right in between songs, she would go, hey, I know we were planning to do that, but can we do this other one? Dad would flip the thing and pull up the song and put it in. Then we'd sing this song. And so we were worshiping and the presence of God. I remember that service. Even I remember it, it, the Lord was really moving. And so the pastor comes up and we were only supposed to lead worship for like 30 minutes or something. The pastor comes up and says, Hey guys, God's really, really moving. And I don't want to really interrupt that. So he's, he told, he told my mom, Cindy, you know, would you, can you and your family just keep going? And so you guys just take the whole service. So we kept going and we kept ministering. Wow. Mom shared her testimony, which is really powerful. Um, and so God really moved and people were in the altar and there's about 30 people, but they're in the altar. I'm prayed for them all. And when we got done, the pastor comes up. And he's like, he said, Hey, he said, I saw that you guys have these little like homemade, you know, you have CDs here to sell. And they're like yeah. homemade demos that our friend that with the mini disc player <laughs> made. For right. Us. And, uh, he said, he said, uh, uh, how many, how many of those do you have here? And we were like, well, we have like a hundred, I think. And he goes, okay. And how much do you guys sell those for? And we we're like, uh, well, we sell them for $10. He said, Okay. He said, well, we want to pay $15 for them, not 10. And we want to buy a thousand of them. That's (laughs) $15,000. And so it was crazy. It was just this awesome God moment. I remember as a kid, I was like weeping, like going, man, like God, you just heard our prayer. Like we prayed that in the parking lot. So I had so many of those moments, not just around provision, but also just moments in God's presence, healing in my mom and dad's body, like crazy things that I just can't ignore, can't argue away. And that informed my, our life as kids, you know, me and my brother and my sister still talk about it today because we're all married. We all have kids and we're all doing ministry and life in different ways. And yep. we'll still get together and talk about it. Just us three about, about it. And not, neither of us have weird traumatic memories from it. That's great. Cause you know, I've, I have some friends who had similar experiences and they, you know, it was mostly all negative for us. It was just like, we're like, I guess God just put some kind of bubble of grace over our family. Right. Because it was, 
when it was, when it got weird, it was just funny. We just laughed right. at it. Like if things ever got weird at a church or something was said that was weird, we we're just like, we laugh and then we just keep going. And, and then there were those moments that were like heaven on earth that were really awesome. And uh, that's where I really started to get melodies for the first time. I would get melodies in these services. I couldn't play any instruments, but I would get like a melody. And then I would sing it to my mom and dad later, if I could remember, remember it. And then my parents were like, Hey, let's, let's get Leland uh, a little recorder, digital recorder. So they got me this, you know, this is, we, we only had like flip phones, but none of them had recorders on them yet. So like my parents got me this Sony, have you ever saw those like the little Sony digital yeah, yeah. recorders right. and you fit them in your yep. pocket. So they got me one of those and like each recording is like recording number one, recording number two, like you can't name it, nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's what I had. And I would like, man, I wish I could find that. I would like sing little melodies into this recorder. That's And amazing. it's like, they really invested into that as a kid and believed in it. My dad would sit with me and put chords to these melodies and say, is that what you're hearing? And he said, what about this one? And then my mom would, would work with me on lyrics and she would say, okay, well, you know, what does it feel like you want to sing? You know? And, yeah. and, and that's kind of how she worded it to me. And that really helped me a lot. And, um, yeah. And so started singing some of these songs in these services. And then we came home after two and a half years on the road. And my dad was getting ready to get like a normal job. And a friend of his had offered him a job in Colorado. And we were actually going to, going to move to Colorado, which is wow. crazy. And, uh, his friend had this electrician business that was like really nice and was going to have benefits and make good money. And, and we get to live in Denver. You know, like, so like I was, I was right. excited actually a little bit and my parents like fasted and prayed. And after a fast and prayer of like, you know, God, is this the right decision for our family? God said, stay in Baytown and start a church in your house. And so we started a church in our house and wow, you know, people, I guess I can tend to forget our band, the Leland band really was just our youth band. Uh, and we started playing for our youth group. It was me and my brother and my cousin on the bass. And one of our really good friends that we met that year when we started the church, his parents were also starting a church that same year on the other side of town. Yep. He was the drummer in our youth group. And so us four made up the core of like the band that became the band Leland. Um, and we were just leading worship for our youth group and writing songs for our youth group. And we were singing in fluorescent lighting and, you know, cold metal chairs. And this is in the era when youth groups had like Xboxes on every wall. And, right. Right. <laughs> and crazy facilities, you know, to entertain kids. We didn't have any of that. You know, we just had right. PV speakers on sticks and a little, a uh, little Mackie, front of house board and it was all concrete in the room and it we should not have had drums in there, but we put drums in there and everybody's ears are bleeding. And, but it was all we had though, was a desire for our friends to encounter the Lord the way we had encountered him in a very real way for two and a half years on the road. Yeah. We were so impacted and changed as a family that all we wanted was the presence of God. And cause those atmospheres, when they weren't funny, they were like, it was like, like life-changing, right. those atmospheres yeah. on the road. And it was otherworldly, you know? So we yeah. were like, we just want that for our friends and family. And so we started worshiping and yeah, I think probably seven or eight of the songs from our first album came from wow. worship times of, or started at least in times of worship with, you know, 30 or 40 kids on a Thursday night in a, uh, uh, in a fluorescent lit room, <laughs> worshiping the Lord. That's and it's amazing. crazy to think about that now. So my parents, yes to the Lord, those two insane yeses are the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, so that's amazing. I mean, what an amazing story. And, and, you know, I think for every worship leader that's listening right now, it may not be needing $4,000 on a specific Sunday in December, but there's something that they're hoping for, right? There's something that they that they need God to move and do. Yes. And what an encouragement to their faith today that that if that if that can happen for you and your family in in 
what was the name of the city? Uh, um, cut Jasper, Texas. Oh, Jasper, the neighbor to Jasper. cut and shoot Texas. The neighbor, <laughs> if that can happen in the neighbor's neighbor, neighboring city to cut and shoot Texas, it can happen in the church that they're in today. So it's so powerful that the, some of the original songs from your album came from from those times. I I I, I saw. I was reading something the other day about you and um, in the article, it just said that a lot of the inspiration for how you write songs comes from time of times of prayer. And I think that that's a beautiful and B, unfortunately a little bit rare. Tell us a little bit about how you found that that was like the place that you go to be inspired. Well, so because me and my brother, we didn't have any sort of, we didn't have any culture of music outside of our immediate family after really just watching our parents. The way we watched our parents write songs right. is they, they would just worship in our living room, yeah. you know, and then would sing to the Lord and things would come out and sometimes it'd be worth remembering. And so just watching our parents love on Jesus and worship God in our home, not just on a platform. I mean, they would constantly, there'd be mornings we'd walk in and the Bibles would be open and my dad's on the piano and my mom's singing and they are weeping in God's presence. And we're, we're just waking up, you know, like, I mean, that was, that was, that was very normal occurrence in our house. That's awesome. So I remember as we started this youth group and we started writing songs the way that a lot of the songs would come was from their mom, like prayer services uh, alone uh, with our youth group, or when either Jack or myself would be in prayer alone or together about something God was doing. Um, the only thing we could agree on in those years was music and God. You know, <laughs> me and Jack were total opposite personalities. We <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have anything in common except that. So um, so that's what held us together, actually was the youth group and depend dependency on God mm-hmm. to move. And, and so that's kind of like how I discovered songwriting was in that paradigm. And what's interesting is, as I was introduced to the, uh, the craft of songwriting, which is still very, very, very important. Um, after already having these roots built in of right. prayer and worship, as the beginning of inspiration for things. And so I was, so really I'm thankful for that because it informed my, you know, at 15 and 16, when I started writing in Nashville with these writers who were brilliant songwriters, my goodness, brilliant songwriters. And I learned so much from them about the craft of writing. And I think over the years, I've, I've, develop language for it. That's kind of helped me explain it a little better to younger writers. And that would be that there is, there is a craft of writing and, and that's very, very important. And you can get better at the craft of writing right now. Like you can watch, there's so many tools and assets online, um, uh, conferences. There's so many things you can find that can inform the craft of songwriting. And it's actually very important that you know that, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like getting really good at your instrument. You know, right. I mean, my goodness, if you don't know the craft of the guitar, you right. can pray all day long, but if your craft <laughs> is terrible, God can't use it. Right. Right. So right. you've got to learn the craft of songwriting. And so you can learn that from saved people and you can learn that from unsaved people because it's sure. a craft that stands alone. Right. So I would say do that if you're not doing that, you know, but I think, and co-writing is, is really important. That will actually, yeah. it's kind of like getting thrown into the fire really quickly. And that'll actually, that's one of the fastest ways to grow in the craft of writing is through co-writing. But I think the one thing that I think is missing from the conversation, especially in the church about songwriting um, is, is the, uh, the value of the life that you're living um, d- determines the depth of the songs that you will write or the depth of the art that you create. So we forget that, you know, we, we look at songs like, you know, 
these old hymns that we'll look at, these hymn writers are writing. And we'll just kind of in awe, like look at those lyrics and those words and the melodies and what they're saying. We forget that they were living different lifestyles than we, what we're living now. Right. Um, the Lord spoke to me that your soul, your, your imagination is inside of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your imagination is kind of like a garden. So you're responsible for the health of your imagination. And everything that you look at, everything that you listen to, and everything that you say, and by default, everything that you think about right. has seeds attached to it. And those seeds, good or bad, will be planted in the soil of your imagination. Wow. And so it's actually pretty easy through repetition to get better at the craft of something. Right. But the hard part is changing your lifestyle. Because if all that's going in is surface level, either either immoral and like sinful stuff, or maybe it's not even immoral, it's just kind of like, doesn't require any mental sobriety. It doesn't require any, right. any mental effort or imaginative strength. It's just kind of like flatlining, you know, and you're just, all this content is just coming through your, your gateways your imagination's gateways all day long. And then you get inspired with a melody. Well, what in the world are you going to pull from? Right. Because if all that's there is just surface level, it's you've got nothing in there to pull out on. Uh, G.K. Chesterton called that the creative compost heap. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's all the stuff that you've been throwing into a pile on your soul and if, if it's all trash, then that's what you're going to get when you get inspired. You're, you're going to have to be rummaging through trash to find something valuable to add to this melody or to add to this lyric idea. Um, you know, But if your life is a lifestyle that is filled with challenging things that, that, that elevate the transcendental attributes of the nature of God, which is good goodness, truth, and beauty. So if you can fill the four contemplative moments of your day, when you lie down at night, when you wake up in the morning, when you're seated with nothing to do, and when you're traveling, if you can, as a songwriter, if you can fill those four moments of your day with something creatively and spiritually challenging that will challenge you in the best of ways, and make you stronger. That could be everything from first, if you've never never done it, meditating on the word of God mm-hmm. will transform your life. Will yes. forget just songwriting. It'll just change your entire just life. It'll change yeah. you. Just change you, dude. And so, and then outside of that, um, it would be, you know, reading, like read a book that is good, true, and beautiful, that's not profane, that will challenge you. Um, as a reader and as a writer that'll, you know, read Tolkien. I mean, it takes him like three chapters to describe a tree. You know, you're just like, (laughs) we're still talking about this tree and we're like 50 pages in. Right. So that's how descriptive he is. That's amazing. So read stuff that challenges you that you get lost a little bit in, um, uh, musically listen to things that are either innocent and really broaden your musical horizon. Like, there was a while they were like, I, I was like, I realized I'm 34 and I've never really listened to a ton of reggae. <laughs> okay. like, so I'm going to follow my own advice and listen to some reggae. And so that's awesome. I just went like on a deep dive and, um, you know, and some of these songs really melodically impacted me a ton. There's some beautiful melodies in there. Like, and, um, so broaden your horizons musically. Um, and creatively find cool ways to develop a creative history with God that nobody sees and knows. And, um, you know, that's the stuff that really impacts the depth of the music that you write. Yeah. Um, so that is so good. I mean, I couldn't take notes fast enough when you were talking because (laughs) like the, the imagination and, and the, 
the uh, creative compost heap and the good, true and beautiful. I mean, dude, you need your own podcast just to talk <laughs> about those things. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's, that's encouraging. Well, I think over the years, like having some language for things has really helped me a ton. Yeah. Because when I was 15 and 16, I, I just wish that, you know, the, the people that really impacted me a lot at 15 and 16 years old, like men and women that came around me, whether that was in Nashville in the music industry or just in church life. Yeah. Those, those ones that said stuff that stuck with me for the rest of my life were the ones who used language that I never heard before to describe yeah. something that I had questions about that, that like answered a question for me and helped frame things in a better light. Yeah. And one of those recently was a friend. He's actually a new acquaintance. Like I, I don't even really know him that well. We were hanging out together at a, at a good friend of mine's house. He was staying there. I was staying there. And we were talking about artistry versus worship and mm. the differences in those two worlds. And I've always known that they, that they weren't the same thing, but they also weren't just like completely separate from one another. Right. Yeah. And you know, cause I have experienced both of those in my own life and he said something powerful. He said, and I think someone else had told him this. So whoever this is, thank you for, for putting this in good <laughs> language. He said that it's not a bifurcation. It's not two different boxes, artistry in one and corporate worship in the other. But what it is, is a continuous line that on one end of that line, you have hyper artistic what I like to call storytelling. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of that line, you have what we would call corporate worship, but what the old church, I like the way they said it, they called it high worship, high worship. Yeah. And that's just any art that is made for the gathering of the believers. Like that's its express right. purpose. And those are the two sides of the line and, and God makes up the entire line. And there are people who sit on different parts of that spectrum that feel more comfortable with the way God's, God's wired them on a certain side of that line. When they're inspired, they, it comes out sounding like the artistic side of the line, the, the storytelling. And to me, art, artists, artistry is really just storytelling. It's, it's taking, it's, it's the parables. It's what Jesus did with the parables. You know, he took, yep. he used his imagination, which this is wild to think about. Jesus was fully man and fully God, which is the whole... Theologically, that's the mystery of the incarnation, which right. that'll send you on a loop. So <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. And that's, yeah. that's a series. But um, so Jesus being fully God and fully man in those moments was in, I believe he was inspired by the Holy Spirit and out of his imagination in, in union with the spirit of God, he then said, okay, how can I explain the kingdom of God to these shepherds? Okay, the kingdom of God is like a shepherd who's watching over a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray and he leaves the 99 to yep. go and search for the one until he brings him back to the fold. And all of a sudden, shepherds that are listening can now understand a kingdom truth, something heavenly, describing earthly things. Remember, he said it later. He's like, if you guys don't get me describing heavenly stuff using um, using earthly language. Right. Anyway. So I, I just think that, you know, Jesus emulated that calling as well. The storytelling artist calling and, um, it's, it's not two different boxes, but it is a continuous line. And you just kind of, you have to sort of know another thing that somebody said that helped put some, some, um, understanding into my worldview. He said, um, is a friend of mine, Malcolm. He said that music is seasonal. And I was like, my goodness, that's really good. Music is seasonal. And he said, there are, you know, certain fruit is, right. is only harvested during certain times in the season. Wow. And not all things are available all year round. You know, right. we, we have that now because of our globalist economy, which is <laughs> praise God for that. We can get strawberry shipped here from, right. you know, halfway across the world. That's awesome. But that, you know, humans didn't live that way for a long time. They understood 
especially during Jesus's time, you can only get certain things certain time of the right. year. And I think there yeah. are seasons where, you know, in life where as a songwriter, the music might change quite drastically right. even. And you just got to know, you know, their uses, their right. proper place. Cause it's like, man, <laughs> I'm not going to eat a cheeseburger in 104 degree heat, you know, right. sitting outside, but I might eat a very like, an apple that would be awesome like i might eat like some pineapple right here in the sun like there's a proper place for things and i think like to me just having the understanding of where each one goes has helped me out a ton you know like um so like with this new record it's it's definitely a big left-hand turn for us because our last album the better word or better word album was like we just knew this is a record for the gathering of the believers. That's what yep. this is. Right. So whether it's a Bible study or it's a youth group or a Sunday morning, we want every one of these songs to be a song you can pick up, play on guitar pretty easily. And it's filled with truth. And that's, that's more like, kind of like writing those songs was more like, um, was more like making a weapon, you yep. know, or a tool for people to use. Um, this record was, was, was a lot more challenging on the artistic side of things because God sort of gave us the green light. He said, this time I want you to sing to the people of God or, or sing over the people of God and not just with them. Yeah. And that was the big difference. He said, I want wow. you to sing over my people. And so we, God gave us the image of, uh, gave us a picture of us being in a rehearsal space and, and with a bunch of musicians we loved and taking this big risk and doing this record that seemed kind of crazy. <laughs> like we, sh- we shouldn't be doing this right now. We should just do another one of the better word albums. <laughs> do right. a better word 2.0. Follow like follow, uh, the better, better word. <laughs> yeah. The better, better word. Uh, but no, God just spoke to us. And so it was cool. I'm, I'm thankful for this language. I'm thankful for the ones who've spoken into my life over the years and helped create a tapestry of, of language that helps construct a good narrative, a healthy narrative yeah. for me to look at creativity and worship. um, through a biblical kind of worldview. So I love um, that. That's awesome. So good. Okay. So let's talk about the album a little bit. Uh, you've already teased us with that. It's different. And that's, I think that's a really beautiful thing. You know, I always love when, when you can see like some might be, some people might call it like the growth of an artist or the, uh, you know, you, I think it's just when an artist is in touch with the Lord and you can see that they're just following where God's taking them. So with, with this being an album where you're singing over people kind of give us a little, little snapshot, like what, 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 what should people expect when they start to listen to this record? Awesome. I, I actually pray that it's like, I, my prayer is that it would make, that it would help inspire um, believers into a more contemplative lifestyle because that's what it did to me, you know, like writing these songs came not from trying to really write a song. They, they might've been finished in those environments. Like when we had something really, really great and we needed to finish it. Um, but they definitely didn't start there. Um, 2020, I was just trying to hang on for dear life. Like everybody was (laughs) right. And there were moments where like, I feel like I'm going crazy. And 2021 was where I started having my very first ever like anxiety attacks. I'd never had those before. Mm -hmm. And that was wild. And it was during that time that like just for pure sanity purposes uh, and just for survival, I was like, I've got to get alone with the Lord and I've got to rediscover like my relationship with God. And I need God to reintroduce himself to me in a powerful way Um, or else I don't know if I'm going to make it, you know? Right. Forget music. Just forget music, forget a record. Gosh. So it was at the piano at my house. I was either, it was either at the piano or it was on the, the really crappy, trashy acoustic (laughs) guitar that everybody (laughs) has that just sits in their house, you know, right. Musicians understand this. It's the one guitar that like, Sounds, it's got something that you love about it. Right. But it's been beaten up. It's thrown onto the porch. It's been rained on. It's everything. Yep. So it was that guitar, you know? Yep. And it was either there or at the piano. 
And that's where I started meeting God again in the coolest ways in, in the Old Testament and the Psalms. And um, I think the Lord was just trying to reintroduce himself to me um, using like these short stories. It was like, I, I wasn't trying to write a song. I was really just trying to sing the Bible. So I was like, I need to, I need to be in the word more. And yeah. I need, I need, I need the word of God just for sanity purposes. And, and I would, I would just sing scripture. And while I was singing scripture, every once in a while, something would happen where I was like, that's really special. I need to like, just capture that. So I'd put it on a voice memo and keep it and not really know what to do with it. And then, uh, over time, you know, some of these little things started turning into songs. Mm -hmm. The first song I wrote during this whole process was a song called Ark. Um, and that was, a that was just after reading the story of Noah Yep. and God just told me every time you spend time with me and get into my word and sing to me alone and just spend time with me, you're, you don't even know it, but you're fashioning an ark for your family. Wow. Um, and for you, uh, to make it through, you know, what's happening in the world. And, um, and, uh, and so that song came and then there was another song called still mighty that actually is going to be our next single uh, that will wow. come out um, in October. And uh, that came from reading the Psalms as well. You know, that like um, the nations rise and fall and kingdoms are tossing and turning. There's God's, God's word will, will still come to pass. His kingdom is the only thing that won't be shaken and that we're citizens of that kingdom. I think it's easy to forget that. And so that's, that's sort of the, the theme that God gave us. He gave us a picture of, uh, of us with the whole band in a rehearsal space. Yep. Um, and, you know, there's all these rehearsal spaces across Nashville that you can sort of rent right. and get ready for a tour, you know? And I was like, for some reason, that's the picture God gave me, us with the band in a rehearsal space and capturing it on video um, play it live, maybe with a click track, but that's about it. And yep. so that you can go left and right and flow, mm -hmm. but no audience in the room and just sing to the Lord alone with him. Like bring some of your favorite musicians and singers into that, into that, into your living room with the, wow. the crappy acoustic guitar and the piano <laughs> and just bring them into that space. Yep. And you guys just worship the Lord for a couple of days. And so that's basically what happened. We, um, it was about 48 hours of like heaven on earth. Yeah. I, it was an outer body experience for sure. Um, and cause there was, you know, there was, that was a big risk, but God really showed up. I'm thankful for our label. I'm thankful for people around us that like, were crazy enough to say yes and do it with us. And right. so there's probably like three songs on the record that I feel like are, good for the gathering of believers that people could sing at a Bible study or sing at church on Sunday. And then the rest of them are really more contemplative. There are these, um, they're either, I mean, they're not all slow, but they're like the next, the next song we're releasing still mighty is kind of like a minor key praise song, wow. but it's, um, it's minor, but it's, it's up and it's, it's fun to listen to, but it's what it's saying is basically what Psalms is talking about. David talks about it over and over in different ways. And, um, yeah, the whole record's based off Psalm 46, uh, and the title of the record is city of God. And, uh, there's a scripture in Psalms 46. Uh, it's the whole chapter is about chaos, you know, uh, nations rising, falling mountains, falling into the sea, but it says in the middle that there's still in the midst of all these things, a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in wow. her midst and she will not be moved. That's talking about the body of Christ. You know, um, we are, we make up the body and the city of the Lord. And so God's city is not a place, but it's a people. Uh, his habitation is not a building, but a people. And so what does that mean to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? And how do I bring the culture of heaven to the earth in my daily life? And so my gosh. that's the whole focus of the record. So I hope it, I hope it stops people in their tracks. Cause that's kind of what it, that's sort of what God was doing to me. I felt like I was just moving spiritually forward 
Yeah. Like just moving just for the sake of moving, if that makes any sense. And it was almost like my head was in the sand and I wasn't aware of the times I was living in. And I was just kind of singing songs about victory without a full understanding of what God's victory really is. Like, you know, um, I think sometimes I was limiting God's victory to just circumstantial happiness. Yep. When it's like, don't we all do that though? Like, yeah. Really? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I think Jesus, Jesus promised us trouble. We forget that. He said in this, in this world, you will have trouble. Right. Like that's the voice of truth saying that, you know, and then he said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Well, you know, obviously God's definition of victory is much different than mine. If what he says, you're going to still go through trouble, but you're, but I've overcome the world and you're still going to have victory. How in the world am I still experiencing victory? If I'm, if my circumstances are just crazy, right. And I'm still going through suffering and pain. How does God still release victory into my life? And so I, I realized in 2021 that I needed a way more mature and broader and deeper perspective of the victory of the gospel than what I did have. Yep. And the Lord just started to speak to me and, and reminded me of the veil being torn in the temple when Jesus declared it is finished. And then when he rose again, the work was completed. It's a finished work. And when the veil was torn, that was God declaring his victory. The veil being torn symbolized the one thing that stood in between face-to-face -face communion and deep intimacy with the living presence of God. That's what that Psalms 46 talks about. Wow. The victory of God is that in the middle of nations falling, in the middle of kings being dethroned and replaced, in the middle of economies crashing, in the middle of uh, pandemics and craziness, everything being shaken that can be shaken in those kinds of times we can still have peace that surpasses our understanding, joy inexpressible and filled with glory, a hope that doesn't put us to shame. We can still walk without fear of, even without fear of death, yep. uh, that to be absent in the body, to be present with God, that we don't fear men. Um, we can still be and are called to be citizens of another kingdom in the midst of every other kingdom being shaken. And so, that's what God started doing in my life. And, you know, he's still doing it in my heart. Um, so my walk with the Lord, I feel like God's been trying to reshape it. Um, that my, the lens I view God through is not just through my, my needs yeah. and my circumstances. He's a loving father and he wants me to pray and to, and to share my needs with him because he loves me. But I think more than anything, I don't want my walk with God to just surround around all of my needs. Right. I want my walk with God to, to be around just knowing him. Yep. Knowing him and just being with him. You know, Billy Graham was asked before he went to be with the Lord. He was asked in an interview, if you could redo everything over, would you do it any differently? And he said, yes. He said, I would have traveled less. I would have taken less speaking engagements. And I would have spent more time in prayer and meditation and just being with the Lord the way I will be with him in eternity. Oh, my gosh. Now, that's the guy that if you are a Christian in America today, if somebody said the words, you know, change the world for Christ or go yep. be a world changer, the one person you would think of outside of Jesus is Billy Graham. I mean, my goodness, the amount of people that have come to know the Lord, it's probably countless. And yet still in his final days here, even someone like Billy Graham said, I, I just want to be with Jesus. Yep. You know, that's what I'm trying to, you know, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in. It's like, hey, just come away with me and just spend time with me and just be with me, you know? Of course, like lift up your needs and your things to God. And he, he knows what we need him before we ask him, but just be with him, you know, just spend time with him and, and learn. I can learn his thoughts and ways, you know? Yep. And so that's the thing. That's, that's what I pray for that people receive when they listen to this new record and 
Heart and Flesh is out, and I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah it was so cool getting to write that so with Taya. Awesome. What a great song. Thanks, great man. Song. That's awesome. You know, it's, uh, there, there are moments where like songs kind of write themselves. Yeah. And that, that was one of those. And uh, those moments always make you question if you know anything right. about songwriting. <laughs> You're like, why have I been working so hard? I just need to like find those moments. But the truth yeah. is, if you don't work hard, you don't get those moments. You get less, you get less of those for sure. For it's sure. like God, God can't entrust you with suddenly right. until you've embraced gradually. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, that, that's, man, I'm excited. I can't wait to listen to this record now. Um, awesome, dude. And I will put a link to, to your Spotify and Apple and YouTube in awesome. the, in the show notes so that people can go and either pre-add or if the albums, if it's out already, they can listen right away. So thank you. Um, That's awesome. One thing I would love to know is um, we're both adopted parents. Like we've both mm-hmm. adopted children in our families. How, how did that, how has that impacted you as an artist and as a creative songwriter, worship leader? Um, it's, a, it's different. Than, yes. than having natural children. So how's that impacted you? I think that the craziest thing for me was the moment that I saw both of my daughters, the amount of love that I felt from that moment and how after for for the last four years, watching our oldest, she's four now, our youngest is one. Mm -hmm. What's so wild is that when I look at both of them, even though we don't have the same skin color, right? I look at them and I honestly, I can say this with every fiber of my being. I don't really remember much of life before them. Meaning, I don't know how I lived without them. Yep. So it is wild to me that, you know, the, the Bible says that God is love. Yep. So he, he's not loving. His nature is love. So everything that he does, even his judgments, everything flows from his nature. And, you know, the Bible talks about, um, us being adopted into the beloved. I don't know that I really fully understood that until God brought our two girls into our world. And, you know, people mean well Mm -hmm. when they talk to us about adoption. And I understand what people mean sometimes when they say certain things. Um, but. They've changed our life, dude. A hundred percent. Um, because people will, will, you know, will say things about adoption, like you know, you, you admire, we admire you for adopting, and I, I don't even understand people when they say stuff like that. It's like, dude, God spoke to us to adopt in the most amazing way that it was like we could not avoid it. It was the Lord. And that didn't mean it was easy at all by any stretch. So when God tells you to do anything, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It just means that he's given you an insane peace that doesn't make any human sense that will give you the grace to walk into whatever he's calling you to. And, and so I'll say this much, our girls have shown me the love of God in ways that I've never experienced before knowing them. And I honestly, I, to this day, I don't know like how I would do life without them. Yep. Um, and I, I, that's one of, that's one of the most, um, like people always said before I, before we had kids countless times, you will, you know, you will know God in a much deeper way than you've ever known him by just being a parent. And, you know, so many people said that to me that I'm like, okay, cool. I get the message. All right. Like, right. <laughs> all yeah. right. But you, it's, it's one of those things though, that like, you can't, no matter how many times you hear it, you can't comprehend it. Yeah. Until it's, it's like, actual. It's, it's the one thing. That's the one thing that you can't oversell. Like 
That's just the reality. Being a parent will transform the way that you view God's view of you um, and his love towards you. And um, yeah, it's just amazing, man. Our girls are incredible. They're, they're teaching us every day um, how to, um, how to love God more, um, how to enjoy life. I mean, it's, it's amazing how early on their little personalities start to come out and you have nothing to do with that. It's just like God placed their personalities in there and they're already who they're going to be. And you just have to love them and pray over them and, and support them as much as you possibly can. And, and, uh, our girls are amazing. Um, they're the love of our life, the light of our life. And, you know, um, I'm encouraged, uh, that people are encouraged, yeah. um, when, when, when they see our family and that's awesome. Me and my wife talk about it all the time. We do pray that more people, uh, would be moved by God, but I think more than anything, we just pray that if it's God's will for families, yes, that, that they would know that it's his will as I, you know, it's something like anything else, you know, that will change your life. You, ha- you have to know that God's called you to it, you know? Right. Yep. And, um, and when he calls you to it, man, you, you will know because his presence will grip you. You will not be able to be, when you pray, it'll get way worse, you know? And, <laughs> and then you'll have this incredible peace that you'll share and people will find out what, you know, what God's called you to do. This could be in anything in life, not, not just adoption, but you'll share it with people and people will go, really, are you doing that? And you're like, yep, God's, yep. that's what God said. So we're doing it yep. and it'll, it'll anchor you. And then, you know, you'll spend the rest of your life being blown away by the magnitude of God's love and in, um, his beauty and his goodness and his kindness it'll blow you away and saying yes to whatever he's called you to do or what he's asked you to do. And, um, so that's, that's it, man. We just, we're loving being, it's, uh, we're loving being parents. You know, I feel like when we got married, like you discover in marriage really quickly, that life is not about you. (laughs) Right. And it's, it's about, you know, the Lord and loving your spouse the way he's loved you. And then marriage becomes awesome. And then you have kids and you're like, Oh, I thought I was already dead to myself. <laughs> I guess like, I'm still alive. I need to I'm die so much more. more. I'm so much more selfish than I ever believed. Yeah. yeah, but it's awesome. One of the fun things that I, uh, I remember Rita Springer told me this, uh, this is before we even adopted, you know, she's adopted as well. And uh, she said, you know, one of the, the, the things that really like just impacted her life was when she adopted and she went through the process when she went before the judge to like finalize their adoption. It, legally, you are not allowed to disown a child that you adopt. That's exactly right. Right. So you can disown a child that you birth, but you can't disown a child that you adopt. And I just, you know, even when we did our adoption, that same moment of realization of like, this is what God intended for us. Like, He's yes. never going to disown us and, yes. and we're, we're grafted into his family forever. That's right. You know, and, and when we had that moment as well, and the, the judge is asking you and the judge is excited. I, yeah. I remember the judge is saying, Hey, this is the, like, this is the best part of my day. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, and I can imagine, like, you imagine being a judge, like how oh, intense yeah. that job is. Like, he's like, this is the best part of my day is getting to do this. Cause it, it gives us hope, you know? Yeah. and. So I remember in that moment, yeah, it's like, you know, you have the loving parents, uh, adoptive parents, because we forget on the other end of this, there is, there is always a sacrificial Mm -hmm. and brave biological parent that is making the hardest decision anyone could ever make, um, uh, in, in doing that out of love. Yep. For their, their child, uh, to ask someone else to parent their child. And I, yep. um, so I can't even imagine that. And, um, so in that moment, uh, yeah, you got, you got the judge 
telling you, making it official on paper and saying, yeah, you know, this, there's no going back from this. Right. You, you cannot <laughs> legally disown these children. They're yours now and yep. forever. Yep. And then you have the parents saying yes, happily, just like, right. yes, we love these children. They're ours. We couldn't imagine life without them. And what's insane is that God is both the judge and the father. Yeah. And, you know, when, when we say yes to Jesus and we come, when we come to him, Jesus just said, any who come to me, yeah. you know, we've made it, we've turned it into like a confession, but Jesus just said, any who come to me, yep. you know, any who come to me, I will not cast out. And he is, he is the ultimate judge, but he's also the, the father, the ultimate father. And he's saying yes. And he's, yep. he's made, he's written it down in his book that, that you're his. And that'll never change now and forever. It's a finished work. It's completed. Um, and so, yeah, that, that really changed and has, and still is changing us every single day. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Love it. Well, you're getting ready to go out on tour in the yes. spring and you're, you've got, you've got so many great things behind this record. Thank you for taking time today. Dude. This has been the richest experience I, I i said it earlier but i can't take notes fast enough like i'm gonna have to go back and listen <laughs> god i don't like to listen to my own podcasts yeah and i'm gonna have to go back and listen to this one just so yes. that i get all the gold that you dropped on us thank you so much man. awesome man it means thank so you. so much you take time so we, we really look forward to the record and and thanks again thank you Stephen, for having me on it was an honor to be with you and we'll do it again for sure man what a great conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did I mean, I, like I said, too many times on the podcast, I couldn't take notes fast enough. I mean, it blew my mind when, when, when Leland was talking about the imagination and, and how that works and just the encouragement to make sure that you're cultivating an imagination that is, that is good, that is true, and that is beautiful. And so I just encourage you guys this week, but find some things that are good, true, and beautiful and, and, and develop your imagination that way so that when it's time to create, you can create from that place and you're not looking for that place. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. As you know, we're here every week and we're going to continue to to talk to worship leaders, worship leaders that you know, maybe some that you don't know. And we're going to try to all just get better together because that's really the goal is that we learn how to steward what God has put in front of us a little bit better. If today's podcast has meant anything to you, if there was any moment at all that you enjoyed in this podcast, it would mean the world to me and the MXU team if you would share it with just one person. Text the link, maybe put it on your social media. It would mean the world to us. Uh, Thanks again for checking out today's podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time.